Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and I've been sitting here waiting for you, and I want to say thank you for letting me come into your space. I'm so thankful that we can share this time together in the Word of God, and we're believing for a revival of the Bible to come to the church. But this week, I'm beginning a brand new series that I'm pretty excited about. It's called Partnering with Jesus and Working with God, and we're looking at examples of people in the Gospels who partnered with Jesus and worked with God and what happened to them as a result. The subtitle says, How to Work with Jesus to Get Results in Your Life. If you want supernatural, dynamic results in your life, then you have to learn how to partner with Jesus and work with God, and that's what this series is about. And it comes with a study guide, and this particular study guide is just filled to the brim with all the points and the principles in this series. You will eat it up while you see it or while you hear the series. We really want you to order this because I know you want to know how to partner with Jesus and work with God. And right now, this week, we're offering you my two daily devotionals called Sparkling Gems from the Greek, number one and number two. In each of these books, there are 1,000 Greek word studies, another 1,000 Greek word studies, and it's so easy to read. I wrote these books to help you dive into the New Testament and make it so easy for you to understand. And you just read a little bit each day, and it doesn't matter which one you start with. So if you already have number one, order number two, or you can start with number two or number one. It really doesn't matter. They're just daily devotionals, and you just read a little bit every day. But I promise you, by the time you walk through these daily devotionals, your life will be transformed. So order yours today by going online or by giving us a call. And remember that when you become a partner, we're going to send you two books as our way of saying welcome to the partner family. My book called Life in the Combat Zone, Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. We give these two books to anyone who joins our big partner family. And my friend, we want you to become a part of our partner family. And please remember that if you need prayer, we want to hear from you. We're waiting for the phone to ring this very minute or for your email to show up in our inbox. And I promise you that when we hear from you, we're going to release our faith for God to move mightily in your life. And he really will. He promises us that in Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things. He'll answer us and he'll do great and mighty things in your life. But we'll pray a lot better for you if you'll let us know how to pray. So call us or send us your email, and I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. I want you to reach for your Bible and open your Bible to Matthew chapter 2, but I'm going to quote for you 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul says we are co-workers together with God. We can partner with Jesus and we can work with God. Or Paul says we can be co-workers together with God. In Greek, it is the word soon ergas. It's a compound of two words. The first word is the word soon. 
it is a preposition which means to do something in conjunction with someone else. It's not what you do by yourself or what they do by themselves. It's what you do in partnership with someone else. The second part of the word is ergon. The word ergon is the Greek word for work or a task or an assignment. But when you compound the two words together as Paul does, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, it is translated co-workers or co-laborers. It describes us connected with God. It's not us working for God by ourselves or God working for us by himself. It's a picture of what we do together with God. We've been joined to God. God has been joined to us, and we are to be co-workers together with him. And when you study the Gospels, we amazingly find examples of people who learned how to partner with Jesus and work with God. And today, we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 2 with people who decided to partner with Jesus from the very beginning of his time on earth. So go to Matthew chapter 2, and let's begin in verses 1 and 2. Oh, how I love these verses, and you will love them too. It says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. When Matthew records this, he uses the word behold. This word behold is a translation of the Greek word edu, which carries a sense of bewilderment, amazement. It's like he's injecting his own sentiment into the verse saying, wow, it is amazing. Behold, can you imagine it? There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. And wise men in Greek is the word magoi, the plural version of the word magoi, magos, and it is the word for magi. These were not three lonely little wise men on three lonely little camels coming from the east. These were magi. You say, well, what is a magi? Magis were priests and astronomers that held a very powerful position, and they were considered to be kingmakers. Write that down if you're taking notes. They were kingmakers. They were a blend of politician, religious priests, and scientists, and they were considered in the Near East to be the most powerful men in existence. In fact, magi were so powerful with one word, they could dethrone a king. With one word, they could install a king, and that is why they were referred to as king makers. So we're not talking about three lonely little wise men. We're talking about the most powerful individuals from the Near East, and now they've come into the city of Jerusalem. Daniel was taken to Babylon in about the year 600 B.C., and scholars believe that he became one of the Magi. And when Daniel was in Babylon, he taught the prophecies of Balaam, Micah. He taught so many prophecies about the soon coming Messiah, and these prophecies got into the hearts of the Magi, and from the time of Daniel until the time of Jesus' birth, the Magi in the Near East were waiting for the birth of this world leader that Daniel had told them about. And at the time that Jesus was born, 
scholars and historians will tell you there was a general feeling in the entire Roman world and Near Eastern world at that time that a world leader was about to be born who would be the greatest leader that had ever been born, none like him ever born before. And the Magi believed that it would be the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecies about the Messiah. And because of Daniel's influence, they believed and they were waiting for the birth of this world king. Wow. And as I told you earlier, they were viewed to be king makers, and no one in the Near Eastern world could be installed as a king without the approval of magi. So people were terrified of them, including Herod. Herod wanted to know why in the world did these magi come to Jerusalem, and he had had an earlier experience with magi that was quite bad. In about the year 39, they deposed him for a very short period of time. He remembered that. That was fresh in his mind. And magi were so powerful and kings were so terrified of them that once magi went to the city of Rome during the rule of Nero. When Nero heard the Magi were coming to Rome, he was terrified because he knew they had the power to dethrone him and install someone else. They were kingmakers. And history says Herod, a man who seemed to be afraid of no one, was so terrified of the arrival of Magi that he rolled out the red carpet. He treated them royally the whole time that he was there. But now if you can imagine, Magi who once already deposed Herod, now are coming back to the city of Jerusalem. He's wondering, why are they coming? Why are they here? Magi have come. And as they come, they are saying, where is he that's born king of the Jews? The word saying in Greek is legantes. It means saying and saying and saying and saying. Even as they came into the city, they were saying to people, does anybody know where he's been born? They were saying and saying, have you heard? Do you know where he is that was born king of the Jews? The word king, the Greek word basileus. But when you read this word basileus in this verse, it is capitalized in Greek. And this is very, very important, which means they were coming for the king of kings, the emperor of all emperors, they were looking for the one that Daniel had foretold. They had waited and waited and waited and waited, and suddenly a star has appeared that has announced the birth of this eminent world leader, and they have come to worship him. Now, somebody may ask, how many magi really were there? Were there three? Well, some people say they were three, and some say their names were Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Others say there were as many as 12. But what we do know for sure about magi is they were not three lonely little wise men or three lonely little kings traveling on three lonely little camels. They traveled in entire caravans with bodyguards and thousands and thousands of servants who accompanied them. When they came to Jerusalem, it was quite a spectacle. And they were carrying all kinds of treasures, not just three little gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were coming to honor the birth of the greatest king ever born in the history of mankind. And it took them about two years to show up after Jesus was born. And the reason it took them two years 
is because they understood who they were coming to see. This was a high-level king that they needed to honor appropriately, so they took time to gather the gifts and to gather the treasures which they were going to bring to Jesus. And now they have come with servants, with camels, carrying cargo and treasures because they've come to honor the one that Daniel prophesied about, who would be the greatest king and the greatest world leader ever born. And of course, we're talking about Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3, when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. The word troubled means to be agitated, to be emotionally upset. And all of Jerusalem with him, the word all, the Greek word pasa, it means all of Jerusalem, the totality of Jerusalem. Herod was upset because he was always paranoid about somebody trying to take his position from him. For that reason, he killed his wife, who he feared was conspiring against him. He killed his brother-in-law. He killed three of his sons. And every time he heard that a king had been born, he began to kill people. He began to go on a rampage of slaughtering people. And that's why all Jerusalem was upset with him. Jerusalem heard these kings show up and say, we've come to see him that's born king of the Jews. The people of Jerusalem said, ay, yay, 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 when Herod hears this, he's going to go on a killing rampage. And that's exactly what he did. But after he interviewed these magi, we read in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 8, and he, that's Herod, sent them to Bethlehem because he had determined according to the prophecies and what the scribes had told him that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And that is correct. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. But notice that by this time, he doesn't call Jesus a baby. He calls him a young child. And in Greek, it is a Greek word, paideon. This word paideon describes a toddler, one that's learning to talk, one that is learning to walk. It is not the word brephos. The word brephos would describe an infant, one that is still breastfeeding. But this is the word Pideon. By this time, Jesus was a little boy. He had already been born two years earlier in Bethlehem in a cave. But you're going to find, even though Herod sent them to Bethlehem, that's not where they went. Well, where did they go? Well, let's see. The Bible goes on, and it tells us in verse 9. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo... The star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. But notice in verse 9, Jesus again is called a young child. Not the Greek word brephos. The word brephos would describe an infant, a baby that is still breastfeeding. This is the Greek word paideon, which describes a toddler. He's already learning to walk. And we know that he's about two years old because the wise men, the magi, had identified that the star had appeared about two years earlier. And they knew that when the star appeared, that was the announcement that this world leader had been born. And when you come to Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, it says, when they were coming to the house. Wait, wait, wait. When you read Luke's story in Luke chapter 2, and it describes the birth of Jesus. Jesus is born in a cave which was used as a barn. But now two years have passed. He is no longer in Bethlehem. 
which means though Herod sent them to Bethlehem, they followed the star, and the star did not lead them to Bethlehem. It led them to Nazareth, to the house where the Holy Family lived. That's what this verse says. Led them to the house, and they saw the young child. The word young child, again, the Greek word paideion, the young toddler was standing right there with Mary, his mother. And when they saw Jesus, this verse says, they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, because it says gold, frankincense, and myrrh, people have this picture of these three lonely kings and each of them carrying a little treasure of gold, the next one frankincense, the next one myrrh. That is not what this verse says at all. What does it say? It says, when they saw the young child or the toddler, with Mary his mother, they fell down. The word fell down, the Greek word pipto, which means to collapse in this case. The strength went out of them. In front of them was the child that Daniel had prophesied. The world leader they've been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for, their eyes now fell upon him and they literally collapsed as the strength went out of them and they worshiped. The word worshiped, the Greek word proskuneo, it describes all the physical gestures associated with worship. They bowed and they bowed. And actually this word worship, the Greek word proskuneo means to blow kisses. This was a very intimate time of worship. And imagine what must have been going through Mary's mind as she looked at her toddler standing next to her and she saw these powerful magi, these king makers on their faces, intimately worshiping her toddler. And the Bible says, and when they had opened their treasures, even the word opened here is so very important because it describes a very grand presentation. They opened treasures after treasures after treasures. And we know that because the word treasures, the Greek word thesaurus, is plural in the Greek. And this word thesaurus describes a storehouse of treasures, a cargo of treasures. It was treasures and treasures and treasures. And in fact, this word treasures describes the most extravagant kind of treasures that existed at that time. And they presented unto him gifts. The word presented lets us know the size of the treasures because it is a Greek word prosphero. The word prosphero means to carry as if you're carrying cargo. Now we see the servants that have come with the Magi are physically carrying all kinds of treasures into the house. And the Bible says they presented gifts. And guess what? The word gifts, again, is plural indicating many, 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 many gifts. And because historical writers wrote what kind of gifts Magi gave to kings at their birth, we kind of have an idea about what kind of treasures and what kind of gifts the Magi brought to Jesus. And remember, this was not just a low-level king. This was the greatest individual ever to be born in the history of mankind, the greatest king, the greatest emperor, the Greek word Basileus with a capital K. This is the king of kings. They were going to bring him the greatest treasures of all. And traditionally, the size of diplomatic gifts given to a king was in proportion to his status 
as a king. If he was a low-level king, then they would bring lesser gifts. If he was a high-level king, then they would bring gifts of greater value. And Jesus was the greatest, the most preeminent world leader to ever be born. And his coming had been prophesied for generations. So the Magi would have come with fabulous, fabulous gifts. Anything less would have been viewed as a diplomatic snub for somebody like Jesus who had such a high status. Wow. Well, what were involved in diplomatic gifts or gifts like I'm describing? Well, here is what Magi brought. They brought vases, urns, plates, carpets, all kinds of clothing, all kinds of items fashioned from gold, silver, and other rare and expensive materials. The catalog of gifts was enormous as servants kept carrying more of them and more of them and more of them into the house. Now that is a very different picture than most of us grew up seeing when we were going to church. The combined gifts were simply enormous, but they brought gifts commensurate with Jesus' status. And when you come to verse 11, it says some of the gifts were gold and frankincense and myrrh. The word gold here is plural, many gifts of gold. And not only that, it is the Greek word krusos, which describes the purest of all gold. It was the gold that kings used to make their cups, their bowls, their plates, their saucers, their platters, and other items. It was the very kind of gold that was fashioned into creations, and then ambassadors would bring special gifts to kings. This is what they brought because they were coming to see the king of all kings. And they also brought frankincense and myrrh. These were extremely, extremely costly gifts. And the value of all of these gifts is simply off the charts. For example, in keeping with the records of Eastern custom, if Magi brought gifts to a low-level king in those days, it customarily was about 110 kilos of gold. That's about $5 million worth of gold. But Jesus was not a low-level king. He was the greatest king to ever be born, which means they brought him gifts of such value that we cannot even begin to imagine. And the gifts were very much on time because God was going to give a word to Joseph that he and his family were to flee into Egypt. And in Egypt, Joseph could not work. God supplied everything they needed while they were in Egypt, paid all the bills. And that's what God does for us. But here's what is amazing. These magi brought their very best to Jesus. They partnered with him, not even knowing that they were going to be fleeing into Egypt, they were going to need money, but they were partnering with Jesus, working with God. Well, what eventually happened to the Magi? The Bible says, if you sow, you reap. Well, how did they reap? They were partnering with Jesus. They were working with God. And though the Bible does not tell us what happened to the Magi, we do know from the Bible that they went back home another way. But we're told by a very early Christian tradition that when Thomas was preaching in the Near East and on his way to India, he stopped and presented the full story, the full gospel of Jesus to the Magi. The Magi repented and he baptized the Magi. Doesn't that make sense? Because when you partner with Jesus and you work with God, when you give your very best, God sees to it that blessing comes back into your life. And at the ends of their lives, they became disciples 
of Jesus. That is amazing. And my friends, it's amazing what will happen to you if you will partner with Jesus. Give him whatever you have and work with God. He'll cause amazing things to come back into your life. I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray with you. How can you partner with Jesus and work with God to help advance the gospel and get supernatural results in your life? Is there a practical way you can really partner with Jesus and work with God? In this five-part series, Partnering with Jesus and Working with God, Rick Renner opens the scriptures to show us practical ways and biblical examples of how to partner with Jesus and work with God to advance the gospel and see supernatural results in your life. All it takes is a right decision to open the door for the supernatural. In this series, Rick covers biblical examples of a decision to partner with Jesus from the very beginning, a decision by a small boy to partner with Jesus, a decision to partner with Jesus that brought dramatic results, a decision by women to partner with Jesus's ministry, a decision to partner with Jesus to the end. This powerful series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $10. In addition to this teaching series, you can also get the book Sparkling Gems from the Greek Volumes 1 and 2. In these books, Rick unlocks the brilliant treasures within God's Word and shows you how to live an intimate, uncompromising life with God in an easy-to-read devotional format. Each volume of Sparkling Gems explores more than 1,000 in-depth Greek word studies. Order Sparkling Gems 1 for just $40 and Sparkling Gems 2 for only $45. Don't miss this special offer of the series Partnering with Jesus and Working with God and the book Sparkling Gems 1 and 2. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends and partners, this is Rick Renner. You can probably see my breath because it's minus nine here right now, but I'm standing in the new building for our Moscow TV studio. And I wanna say thank you to you for all of your sacrificial giving, for being a part of our giving team. Phase one enabled us to construct this building and it is completely paid for. The building itself, the windows, the doors, all the way to the roof, even the heating system. And in phase one, we were enabled to purchase our building in Tulsa and now we have secured it. But now in phase two, we need to finish the interior of this building. We can't move into it the way that it is today. But my friends, in a very short time, we're going to have cameras working in this building and from this location, we're going to be sending teaching that people can trust to the ends of the planet. And the focus of phase two is finishing this facility. And as I told you before, it's not about buildings. It's about having a building so that we can create programming that will change people's lives. And I'm asking you to please pray about being a part of the giving team to finish phase two, which is completing the interior of this building. And I promise you, we will be so careful with every penny and every dollar you give. We understand the value of money. And we're going to pray for God to magnificently and massively multiply your giving back to you again. Thank you so much. Please become a part of our giving team to finish phase two as we complete the interior of the Moscow TV studio. Today, we've been looking at the example of the Magi who partnered with Jesus. They didn't even really understand they were partnering with him, but they did, and they were working with God. 
And the result was they got saved. God blessed the Magi because they partnered with Jesus. And that's what he does for us when we partner with Jesus and work with him. But my friends, I want you to order the whole series called Partnering with Jesus and Working with God. And it comes with a wonderful study guide. And right now we're offering you my two daily devotionals called Sparkling Gems from the Greek, number one and number two. You can order these also by going online or by giving us a call. And please remember that when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you a couple books as our way of saying welcome to the partner family. We're going to send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. And we're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone because we always give these two books to anyone who becomes a part of our partner family. But Father, thank you for the example of the Magi who brought their very best to Jesus. And Lord, you cause blessing to flow back into their lives. And that's what happens when we partner with you and work with God so, Lord, help us learn how to partner with you the best we can and give you whatever we have. Lord, we ask you to take it and use it mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power.